Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me. I'm Zach Shaw. You can read all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com and 247sports.com slash Michigan. It's kind of a, uh, I think the next two weeks are going to be very fun for Michigan football and basketball fans. We'll obviously talk about, we, we took some uh, listener questions, and we'll talk some football at the back half of the show. But basketball, and and here's the thing, basketball entered the season top 25. They've, they've ra- they raised two banners a week ago. They went to the Final Four in April. They won the Big Ten Tournament, second year in a row in March. So this isn't like a, a huge surprise, but I will say this, they, you know, for those that did not know, Michigan beat number eight Villanova in Philly at you know the Finneran Pavilion by 27 points, 73 to 46. And some people are like, oh, you know, about time basketball gets their due. I, they've always gotten their due, and and our our traffic numbers would suggest that uh, Michigan basketball is something that people have been paying attention to for a while. We I haven't heard John Beeline hot seat stuff in over two years, so I think that component of it's cooled off, but. Last night was a little different. I mean, one, it was a good win over a good team, but two, it was on the road. And I was, I was, you know, talking to a former basketball player earlier today, and kind of mentioning it seems like every year Beeline has a couple of those. Uh, the nice way to put it is humbling moments. I think about their loss to North Carolina last year, their loss to at, at Ohio State in December last year, the the loss uh, the year prior to. Uh, well, I mean, they've had they've had some. I mean, they, you know, they've they've lost to Virginia Tech, they've lost to at SMU, they've been punked by Xavier. You know, in just even the past few years, they've had those non-conference games. Uh, lost to UConn. You know, they've had these games where they just didn't look ready to go, and so that had always been the trope: is that Beeline, because the offense takes more time to get to know. It it was always this thing where teams are his teams are kind of slow to arrive. I mean, each of the past two seasons, you know, last year I think they were always in the NCAA tournament picture, but then they became the number seven team in the country in the last month. The year before, they never were like totally out of the tournament picture, but they were on the bubble, and then they emerged and were a ranked team by the end of the season. And, and I think they ended up with the seven seed, but some people thought they should have been higher. Year prior to that, they didn't look like a tournament team at all, and then they emerged into the tournament late, late on in the season. So, it's it's one of those things. I, you know, last night's win. The significance to me is that it might have been Michigan's best non-conference win in the in the early going of the season of the John Beeline era. I think like the Duke upsets, uh, the UCLA upset, and you got to put this one on there. And if you think about like going on the road to the reigning national champs, a sold-out arena where tickets were selling for thousands of dollars, and just destroying them, I don't know what Villanova is going to look like this year, but I, you know, the thing that stood out to me, each and every possession, Michigan seemed like they had the upper hand, and they seemed like they were making the right decisions and they were in the right place, right place, right time, kind of creating their own luck, and it just was a, I mean, you know, that first half. You talk about pitchers pitching a perfect game. That seemed like about right. That's that's that was the equivalent of the first half to me. I mean, and, and we were talking about it before the show, Steve. Some of these numbers. I mean, Villanova 
uh, five for 17 on layups, three for 13 on three pointers. You know, Villanova had lost by double digits in three years, 106 games. No one else in the country has gone 28 games without that kind of loss. Jay Wright has never lost that badly as Villanova's coach. He's been coached since 2001. You know, and he's never, his teams have never scored fewer than 17 points in a first half. That's what they had. It's just, it was a, it was, it's kind of weird because, like, I don't think it's like you can call it a coming out party for, for Michigan because they are ranked and they are where they were expected to be good. But it was kind of a, a different kind of statement arrival that said, like, it's not going to be a, you know, grow through November and December. It's going to be, when I mean they're going to be in every single game they play, I don't know. It's just hard to hard to properly articulate it, but it just seemed like this soon, this good, this soon wasn't in anybody's playbook. Uh, you know, no one expected that to happen from this team. Well, <clears throat> so defense always travels, right? And I think it was a, I think it's a situation where you know even at the beginning of last year, you know the the with the Acklich, even though, you know, I know Billy Donlin made a lot of strides with them defensively, but right. uh, it was a, still going to be a process, you know, beginning last year, you know, with another new assistant and a, another defensive minded guy. And a lot of those, a lot of those guys are back still from last year. And I think it's a deal where uh, much like, honestly, I think the parallels to Don Brown are pretty strong here in that <laughs> he's got a system. Well, no, but that he's got a system at the, and the, and, and, and a, a style that the players, have become acclimated to uh, and, and that it's, again, I think it is, it's a situation where they're going to be able to bring that with them wherever, right. You know, wherever they play all year. And that, you know, and I think in some ways, I think that's going to be, it's a little bit different than it has been in the past. Uh, You know, I know they lost quite a bit of experience from last year, but they also return a lot of guys that, you know, particularly guys that are, they're better defenders, you know, in Teske, Simpson, and Matthews. Matthews, yeah, yeah, yeah. defensive so I, guys, I, yeah, yeah, and so I think that's a a situation where, you know, I maybe there wouldn't be, you know, I know the offense has to come around or you know is going to be continuing to come around on that that as well, but I think it's it's not a surprise to me to see them come out and play suffocating defense uh, to begin the season. I mean, you know, they did it against the poop teams that they started the year against, right, and also kind of you know took the next step with that yesterday. I mean, all that being said, I mean, what they did yesterday was it's on, I mean, it's unprecedented. You could say it's the best non-conference win in, in program history. Couldn't you? I mean, yeah, I don't know what over. they did in the nineties and eighties, but as far as the modern era, yeah, I think as far as exceeding expectations, that was, that was probably the best. I mean, Villanova preseason, number one team in the big East, they had, they have Pascal preseason, all big East first team. Booth preseason all Big East second team. I mean, both guys are those guys are heavily experienced. Uh, you got a guy yep, like yep. yeah, you got a guy like Quinterly who I know didn't really play much, didn't make an impact, but I believe he was one of the most touted freshmen coming into the league as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing it on the was this their first game in that new? No, second, but okay, but yeah. basically their first real game in a brand new gym. You got the most bizarre thing to me was this the deal about they were the tickets costing as much as like who on earth would ever pay that much to go to an early season college basketball game is, is beyond me. But um, yeah, I mean like, you know, I get like Villanova Michigan's like a fun matchup, but like, yeah, it's not like, 
three thousand dollars like are you kidding yeah. me? yeah i mean granted i mean there obviously there are always gonna be people out there that can afford that and without issue but at the same time that's just i saw that no i thought it was like a joke i was like there's no way that people you know that's like that's like well michigan ohio state next week you know well with, that's what i was gonna say villanova doesn't really do football they don't really do other sports this is their this is their thing and you know ask uh ask brendan quinn about philly basketball sometime and He'll explain why three thousand dollars is a bargain for some of these games, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like a bargain in the relative sense, I suppose. Right. But um, but this was way, this was a huge, huge game for them. It wasn't like Villanova was caught napping. You know, they I mean kind of what you're mentioning. It was this huge, amazing event, sold out arena, super sold out arena. They're playing the reigning national runner ups. Like this was, it was just a you know mano y mano beatdown. Michigan came out and just looked like they were infinitely more prepared and aware of what what Villanova was going to do. They looked like they wanted it more. You know, I do think Villanova had some bad uh, shot luck on some of their shots. They missed shots I don't think they're normally going to miss. But, like, you know, in Villanova, I wouldn't be surprised if they took a step back this season just because they lost four top 35 NBA draft picks from last year's team. But they did beat North Carolina by 10 in a secret scrimmage. You know, Phil Booth is someone who very well could average 18 to 20 points a game this year. And, I mean, just the way Michigan beat them, 21 turnovers they forced compared to seven assists Villanova had. They had 25. They they outscored Villanova 25 to 1 in points off turnovers. I mean, that's just that's just the team that, you know, to me, points off turnovers is a little bit like face-offs in hockey where it's like a lot of it's just who wants it more and who's ready and like kind of has that itch to like, you know, win. I don't know if that makes any sense to our listeners, but there's, there's this, this Michigan team, you know, the defense is going to travel, but I think the difference was against Holy Cross and against Norfolk state, the offense wasn't there. They weren't good in the half court offense and beeline kind of alluded to it before the game. He said, well, those two teams played, matchup zones a lot of high major teams don't play matchup zones because they have the athletes to keep up but we saw Michigan I mean they were just cutting hard they were getting out in transition they were getting by people they were finding like little pockets here and there because it's not like Michigan out you know shot the lights out of the building and I think that's traditionally how Michigan has pulled off these good wins I mean what is beeline like 85 and one when they score 80 points and so that's like traditionally how it's done this was a team that just Villanova couldn't do anything and then Michigan would score in transition or score on the fast break or or score on second chances just because their commitment to to getting to the basket you know as as quickly as possible or as as hard as possible I don't know it was it was just a it was an, a really impressive win in just the way that they found ways to score every single time it seemed like I mean I I <laughs> I, the thing I like about that is it goes to Beeline has talked a lot about this. I think they mentioned it with the recruiting class is the positionless basketball. Yeah. Um, you had, when you had livers on the floor, you had five guys who could hit the outside shot, could dribble, you know, could put the ball on the floor. And maybe most importantly, like crisp passers across the board, like guys that can find open people, guys that were moving without the ball, 
you know, and it created a lot of easy opportunities for them yesterday. Guys that can still crash the boards. I mean, cause you still have the athletes, uh, you know, so I, it was a, I mean, it was a well-rounded effort really uh, to, and that they, and that's where the, the defense comes in is they were able to avoid that where that, that run that you just expect uh, a good team like Villanova to eventually make, you right. know, where it's like, okay, Michigan got off to a hot start. Okay. Well, Villanova is going to be, they're going to, return the favor here soon but they never did and i just i mean michigan just kind of had them stymied uh i guess is is a good absolutely i mean they were missing shots i never expect them to miss and then it's like you watch the replay and it's like oh well teskey's hand was right there so he had to take a different angle or or charles matthews was right there xavier simpson was you know in this guy's grill the whole time like it's just you know it's it's really fascinating to watch it's like one of those things where you watch it and you're like why doesn't every team do this? Like, it's easier said than done, obviously, and you need the right personnel, but, like, I don't know. It's just kind of a, a unique game, and and I, I agree with you on the positionless basketball. I mean, the, the plus-minus when Livers is Michigan's five almost makes you wonder if he's going to be the only – if he's going to be the number two five, you know, ahead of ahead of Austin Davis, who's – who's bigger and a better rebounder and nice and physical, but just what livers can do, I think as he grows and we've talked about it, he's, he's just a very all around good athlete. And I think you could play him at multiple. I think you could honestly play him a little bit at the three. And so that's somebody, I mean, that's, you know, that's what the golden state warriors do. That's what the Houston Rockets do. That's what a lot of good teams in basketball do now, because you know, good luck, you know, Villanova does a little bit of positionless basketball too, but like if you're a six ten, six eleven, kind of slower but very physical big man, good luck chasing livers all around the floor, or good luck getting open when they they they'll happily switch Iggy Brzezakis on you. It's just so so yeah. It's a, it was a good win. I uh, got a couple questions on it to help shape this conversation, but first one comes from Champions of the West said UMBB. Obviously, obviously looks strong. What concerns do you have with the team moving forward? So we kind of alluded to it. This team is not going to shoot that well. They're not going to be, at least from three-point range. Uh, they, they're, the returning players shot 32% from three last year. We've seen already uh, they're, not, they're not introducing the newcomers as quickly as maybe some expected. Beeline said the other day that you know they want to play DeJulius and Johns. It's just a matter of you got to make sure you're playing that same level defense because they don't want to drop off, and they've got guys that can play 30-plus minutes happily. Uh, so, yes, outside shooting I think is a major concern. I think half-court offense still kind of is a concern. I think you saw that more in the second half. I get that it was a blowout, but, like, I just seemed like seemed like if it wasn't coming off turnovers, if they didn't have an extra step, they weren't always getting the points the way you would expect them to, and they don't – they don't have the guys who are going to spread out the floor as much, so it is going to be tougher to to you know kind of slash or get to the rim in half court offense. Uh, that's probably the end of the list of concerns. I mean they they rebounded well, they forced a lot of steals. They shot blocking is not something Michigan's always been good at, but I think they have 16 blocks in their last two games. And are free throws ever going to cost them? You know, it's funny as they talk about that yet. Last night, the announcers were talking about it. It's like, well, they really struggled with free throws. You know, that can come into play, the clutch. And it's like they were the national runner up last year. 
I know, I know. It's so it obviously funny. didn't like it obviously didn't end up being that bad, big or bad. And they played in a lot of close games too. You know, it's like yeah. down the stretch uh, where they had to hit some. You know, it's just always funny. Like, I, but that being said, I mean, I think the possibility is there that it, it you know, could eventually cost them now, a big I, game, especially with with yeah. Simpson and and Matthews. So I will say, it seems like Matthews. What he end up with five better. five for seven, and I, yeah, I think he, he hit. Better. I want to say he went three for four the other day. He's seeing a psychologist. Uh, I think I think they'll be okay. I mean, but it, as you just said, I mean, you know, it did actually, um, it did actually hurt them in those games against Houston and Montana, where perhaps they could have put that game away sooner. It also almost cost them against Iowa in the Big Ten tournament. And I still believe if they lose that game and have to go like, what, fourteen days between games instead of ten or whatever it was, you know, in that first round of the Big Ten tournament, without that extra experience, without those big wins, I still wonder if they actually make a run at all. So, so yeah, that's probably a valid concern, uh, you know. But but as I still think like you can out defend that to an extent. Uh, but yeah, right. I mean defense. The defensive footprint, I mean, you know, they're third in adjusted defensive efficiency. I think that's still weighted a little bit by preseason expectations on Ken Palm's site. But, I mean, they haven't they haven't allowed 50 points yet. And and they've played a Villanova team. I mean, they held Villanova to, you know, 31% shooting with 21 turnovers. They had they had 21 turnovers and 14 made shots. And this is a this is a good Villanova offense. No matter what they do this season, they're going to be a good offense. So, I think uh, think the peaks and valleys of a college basketball season may be a concern because I I don't know if this team has as many, you know, like say say Charles Matthews is just out of it, or and say Iggy Brzezakis picks up two early fouls. Do you do you believe in the in the rest of the team? to come together and put together a half that's going to win against a good team. Like say, say that happens against North Carolina, like Luke may draws a couple fouls and they have, you know, in Nasir littles dropping, dropping points left and right. I mean, maybe depth I think is another concern. Uh, you know, finding other playmakers. It's, it's Iggy Brzezakis and Charles Matthews have been kind of revelations offensively. They've combined for, I want to say, 76 points in their last two games. But they're not going to, you know, you don't know if they're going to do that every single night. So maybe that's a concern too. Like, like do you, you know, maybe Jordan Poole slumping a little bit is of concern. That's, but, but again, it's a short list. It's a short, it's a much shorter list than a year ago. That's the thing is like, they didn't really get a lot out of Poole last night. Yeah. (laughs) I, I mean, I didn't feel like they did. Well, you know, and they shot they shot twenty nine percent from three. They only made five three pointers, and they still train wrecked them. So, well, and that's what I'm saying is like you like that's another. And to me, that's a positive to take out of it is a guy that you feel like they're going to end up relying on a lot more. In pool, didn't really have what you would consider a great game by any means, mm-hmm. and they still just they just. I mean, it was a total beatdown, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I assume there's going to be – they'll have to put up a couple stinkers at some point. I mean, it's just – it's almost inevitable in college basketball that it's mm-hmm. going to happen. you know. But I, I think by and large, though, it's hard not to look at last night and think, okay, well, it's obvious this team's at least capable now. Yeah. You know, as, as 
with history showing that his teams always get better or are playing usually playing their best basketball in February and March, you know, it's like, okay, now it's like, I mean, think about the, just think about the, the flexibility they have on the defensive end. You know, I thought, Te- I mean, Teske is an absolute force down there if they need him to be. Absolutely. Uh, and, and Livers himself, I thought Livers did a great job uh, when not getting pushed off from by Pascal. Uh, you know, same with Matthews. You know, I thought Livers did a really good job in, in his stead. And then obviously you got the the Bulldog in, in Simpson and, and Matthews is a NBA-level defender as well, you know, so... I mean, it's Ig- Iggy Brzezakis. I didn't know his defense was that good. Yeah, he he just seems like a a gamer, you know, just a guy that just gets it. I <laughs> guess is the no, but you know what I mean. No, I mean I do, like, I do. He, I'm just laughing because I'm like, what other words? Gritty, so and, cliche. <laughs> yeah, well, not, but not. No, I don't. Th- I'm not going gritty. I'm saying more of like a guy that just you know he does. The, no, he the moment, the moment was not yeah. even remotely too big for him at all, and yeah. and just looked like a guy. He looked like a ju- he looked like a junior or senior out there. Just the, his composure, uh, his ability, you know, was, was really really impressive to see on a in a you know the first real test of his college career. Yeah, and you I, know, and that's yeah. that's that uh that attitude and stuff. I think it really really you know Michigan already kind of had that last year with with Mo and um, I think Matthews has got a little bit of it too. Simpson. You know, and to, to kind of insert him into that with a guy who's got a ton of talent, mm-hmm. you know, I think is uh, best case scenario. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and real quick on Iggy, I mean, you know, you talk about him living for that moment. He does. He absolutely does. And remember when he was announced he was going to wear number thirteen? We asked him at uh, Michigan Media Days, like, you know, oh, you know, thirteen that was Mo's number. I guess. What do you think about that? And kind of the pressure that comes with it, and he says, "No pressure, no diamond." And that was like the end. That was like an entire sentence on its own. So it's like, you know, he's someone that I mean, he's he's he was kind of tongue in cheek about it, but like he's he's goofy. He is older. He's going to turn twenty in about two months. So it's not like he's you know unfamiliar or like you know he's not he's not a typical wide eyed freshman. Michigan. I don't know. I don't know how many people read this story. I, it's probably still relevant. Uh, but it was a pre-Villanova story. Michigan wanted him to come in 2017, and Beeline, I asked him about it, he makes it sound like Iggy might have started on last year's team, and that he was, he's, like, that ready. And, I mean, you look at his, you know, body and just, like, see how he's built. He's built like someone who's had a couple summers of Camp Sanderson. And I know Beeline has mentioned that Iggy's very serious about his nutrition and about, you know, making sure, you know, taking care of his body at an in an NBA way, like in – you know what's what's the thing like LeBron spends two million dollars on, you know his on you know keeping his body right a year. Iggy doesn't do that, but like that same kind of commitment level that you see from NBA players once it becomes their livelihood, he's already there. So yeah, I think he's you know he's always been a bucket getter. I don't think it's surprising that he scored the points, but that defense and and just the way like he was drawing the and ones and. Uh, just the way he was very clearly a spark plug for for Michigan. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're trying to replace Mo, and you're trying to you know add a add a high scoring wing to your mix to juice up your offense, I mean, that's as you said, best case scenario. Uh, couldn't couldn't have asked for a more. Uh, I don't know what you else you could have asked for from a freshman, you know, for for this year's team. 
Uh, one more quick question uh, from Neil. Do you think this team, uh, it's, this might be a quick answer too, since we already talked about it. Do you think this team can consistently make up for lack of three-point shooting with superior D and points in the paint, or was Nova an outlier? I do think the game was an outlier. I think if they played the same game tonight, there's a, I don't think Villanova is going to lose by 30 again. No. You know, no. I think there was some outlier components, but as we talked about, I mean, you know, they, they know that the, here's the thing. They know that it's not like, I think it was a little different in the past. Like if Michigan couldn't hit a three pointer to save its life, you know, it was kind of screwed. I think now they know. And so if, if Charles Matthews goes over four, like he'll be kind of annoyed that he won't be making the three pointers, but he knows exactly how to respond and, and defend and rebound and, and now some blocks and, and things like that. And Xavier Simpson, same thing. Like if he starts out 0 for three, I think I think you know someone like a Derek Walton or a Trey Burke. If boy, Michigan's had some good point guards, haven't they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say in the in the rare instances where those two were were cold shooting, it might have thrown them off elsewhere. Uh, this is not a team that's gonna get thrown off. So I think that's where maybe they can again. They're not gonna go <laughs> 30 and one. They're not gonna you know they're gonna lose. They're gonna have bad games. Teams are gonna figure it out. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if teams only play zone from here on out or play as much zone as possible against them because, I mean, Holy Cross had Michigan on the ropes. You know, Villanova did man defense and didn't really do anything for them. So, yeah, I think it's the game was an outlier, but I do think this team has, has that good of a defense and they, like, embrace the identity of it that, as you said, it's going to travel. They're going to be in every game. The the peaks may might not be as high, but they're definitely not going to be as low because you know if they played Michigan State on Saturday, you like their chances of at least being in the mix, if not winning, because they're just going to shut down Michigan State like nobody has. Right. You know the officiating guys, just you know. Yep. Just, here you go. <laughs> no, just. You know, like this off-arm stuff, like I know I'm probably going a little overboard on it, but I just I can't believe that they don't call it or tell players, hey, like cut it, you know, cut it down a little bit. With Pascal, who's literally pushing off on every possession down low, I mean, it's insane. Like driving the hoop. There, I mean, the, the announcers were starting to call it out by the end of the game yesterday, like basically saying he's he's completely getting away with it. And it's like, I just, I don't, am I, am I going overboard? Like, I, I mean, I know I'm going a little overboard with it either right, way, right. but at the same time, it's like, I also feel like I'm on to something. And I don't know why, I guess it'd be a good question to ask Beeline. I don't know what he would say if he was Yeah, asked. I might bring it up. I mean, because I, you know, I definitely saw it a few times. I didn't see it as this egregious thing. And maybe. Oh, my gosh. I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, I'm sorry. Not, no, no, but Pascal specifically. The rest of their play, they had a couple other guys that were doing it maybe a little bit. And I'm sure Michigan, uh, I mean, Matthews is always a guy that's always kind of used that hook, hook arm. Yeah. And they haven't, they haven't called it sometimes. You know, because that's the other thing is like I'll call it out on either side. I don't care. I remember, you know, the other thing that I was I was the one play they didn't blow the whistle on yesterday that I was glad was Booth tried doing the whole old Chauncey Billups thing, where he fakes the three pointer, gets the guy up in the air, and then makes this like completely unnatural shooting motion by 
like leaning in 10 feet to hit the defender and try to draw the contact. Oh yeah. <laughs> so they didn't call that. And that was good because that, you know, even when Chauncey would do that, it was like, it's so cheap, you know, but, but with, with Pascal and the off arm, I mean, there was like, there were multiple instances where it wasn't just like a quick, like forearm shiver to create a little space. I mean, he was literally pushing and extending completely extending his arm and they're just watching it. It's so obvious. You know, it's like the Cassius Winston's the other one every year does it every time he drives the lane and they, they may call it once a game. And I, but you know, I don't know, I guess it's one of those deals. If they're only, they're not, if they're not going to call it every time you do it, then guys are just going to keep doing it and they'll just, they'll take the one offensive foul they get. I mean, to me, I guess it was just this, it was insane to me. I think Pascal got fouled probably six. He was, the defender was called for a foul against him probably seven or eight times last night. He only had one foul all game yesterday, hmm. and I just that's just crazy to me. I yeah, know. yeah. I, I I might ask. I'm you know it might be worth bringing up if if you're seeing it as egregiously because like to me that's always like one of those ones. It's kind of like Jordan Poole does a carry basically every time he dribbles up and down the court. Right, right. It's no, like, I agree there. You know, I agree. And that's and fair. travel is always one of those ones where it's like unless it was to me unless it's like a stutter step. Like if you're going in for a dunk, like. I don't feel like a travel should be called, you know, like, but if you like stutter step or take like a, uh, what's, what's it like in baseball? It's like, Oh, if you drop the fly ball or like if you drop the grounder, but the guy was already going to be safe anyways, it's not an error. Like, unless it's making the difference in the score, which I guess with Pascal, it might've. So anyway, uh, that's carrying like, doesn't really give you like a, a slight carry when you're just dribbling around in the backcourt doesn't really give you any kind of advantage, the same, nearly the same advantage as a push pushing off. the defender three feet away so that you can get a clear shot at the basket does, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. I'm done. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, no, no, I, mean, I thought, of, here's, I thought here's it was thing. horrible last night. You're not alone. There are, there are other people who think that, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I'm the conductor of the train though. And I, I want to be. <laughs> so anyway, switching to football. Uh, Michigan takes on Indiana, home finale, almost, I, I guess the weather always changes, but almost certainly looks like a like a snow, swirling wind kind of game like it was two years ago, and we'll we'll talk about the Hoosiers in a moment, uh, I guess I guess this is related to the Hoosiers, but someone asked, uh, I think the Wolverine, the Wolverine Mean asked, out of all the things that could possibly happen in the Indiana game, what would be the one thing you could see that would make uh, make people the most confident that Michigan can beat Ohio State the following week. And we were talking before the show, I mean, you know, there's some really obvious ones like winning by 30, uh, not having any injuries. But is there anything within the game, knowing a little bit about Indiana and a little bit about Michigan, that would make you confident in the in the in the Wolverines? I have one that I'm gonna I'm gonna share because and I'll be doing a story on this before the game. Michigan is third nationally and first among power conference teams in fewest turnovers. They only have seven giveaways all season, and they're actually on track to beat the school record in that category. School record is 11, so part of it will depend on how Michigan's next few games go, but they are on pace for it. Indiana is fifth in the country in forced turnovers with 24, and they're second nationally enforced in recovered fumbles with 12. I mean, 12 recovered fumbles by comparison, Michigan has four. 
And I think some of that is anomalous. Turnovers are a fluky thing. But I will say, if Michigan goes into this game and and puts up, you know, a, a real offense and, you know, let's say 25 or more points and they don't have turnovers, because we've talked about it. I mean, that's that's often been a huge difference. You know, and I think last year's game was a little different. But, like, if Michigan doesn't commit two or three turnovers against Ohio State in 2016, they probably make the playoffs. If they don't do it in 2014, maybe they they hang on to that game a little bit longer. It, you know, I think I think it's been one of those things that that is something that Michigan has hurt Michigan in big games turnovers. I think back to last year when they had five. You know, if they only had three turnovers against Michigan State, they might win that game. And so that's like one one big thing I think. Just because Indiana's good at it and Michigan's also good at it, you know, if that strength holds up against a good ball hawking team. Then I think I think you can believe it a little more. Another thing is, uh, again, dominating in the trenches. I, I expect Michigan to against Indiana, but Mich- Indiana's got a very experienced offensive line, and Michigan. I think if they're going to beat Ohio State this year, it's probably going to be because they are more physical on both sides of the of the line, and that's probably something that Michigan, in my estimation, hasn't had very much against Ohio State in since 2011. You know, they haven't had that that bullying, ice-out-the-clock offensive line, and, and their defensive line has done really well. So I guess I should specifically mention Michigan's offensive line because the defensive line, I think, has done really well. Right. But, um, how, many, how many years has Ohio State, if it's been a relatively close game, how many times has Ohio State had that late touchdown run with, like, four minutes to go to put the game out of hand? Like, it's, like, it's, a it's good almost point. like it's like an annual – Thing when the game is with it when the game is still within reach for Michigan. Yeah, Dobbins, Ohio State Elliott, breaks off like a Hyde, yeah Weber. Yeah. I think Weber had it last year. Yeah, you know it's like they always have that guy that breaks it like with like four minutes to go to put the game completely out of reach. You know. Yeah, so. definitely happened in 2014, uh, 2016, I guess technically, but that's obviously a different scenario. Right. Um, 20 well, 2015 wasn't really a close game at all. So yeah, no, no that's a you know fourth quarter. It seems like they've been pretty good in fourth quarters. This year, there's a lot of things that they weren't good at last year that they that they really have improved in a massive way. Uh, here's one: they were 114th in third down offense last year. They're fourth this year. Yeah, Again, <laughs> I mean, these are they, like, but it goes back to what you just said. It's that's all; those are all offensive line driven statistics because mm-hmm. that means that they're either getting push up front to allow the to give some the back a gap to run through or they're giving the quarterback ample time to make his reads and find an open receiver and hit him. I mean, that's really that. So, you know, if there's, if there's not a stat that is indicative of the improvements Michigan has made in general on offense, if it's not that, I don't know what is you have receivers who are catching the ball. Now when it's thrown to them, you have a quarterback Mm -hmm. who can hit them accurately if they're open and you have an offensive line that's creating holes and protecting the quarterback. I mean, that's, you know, that's all she wrote, as far in my opinion, when it comes, you know. So, fourth yeah. in the country is is that's a great stat to have. Yeah, I mean, well, two of the top four teams are Alabama and Clemson, so it's it's a thing that that is a, uh, you know, some stats. It's like you know, like forced turnovers. There's a lot of teams that aren't very good that force a lot of turnovers. Uh, not a lot of teams are converting so consistently over fifty percent on third downs, and that are. That are not good. Usually, that's a 
it's a it's binding to your overall results. So, so yeah, that's a, it's an interesting question. Uh, we did get a question about uh, how much of beating Ohio State will be mental from Wheel. They seem to match up well. Did they already clear? Are they already clearly clear the hurdle by beating MSU on the road? So yeah, do as far as the choke thing, we this will be more of a question for next week. I I think that offensive line, kind of we we're just talking about. I think that that allows you more leeway and and you know it's not like the there's less self destructing I think on the offense and that's and that's something that you definitely saw it in 2016 and I I think you saw it at times in 2017 but you've got as you said you've probably got three guys who are going to end the season with 500 receiving yards you've got a running back who is probably going to end the season with 1200 rushing yards just the regular season that is and so you know, and you've got an offensive line that's top forty in sacks and tackles for loss allowed. You know, it's bullying people on third downs has its fourth in time time of possession. Seems like a more complete team. So yeah, I would say you know if if there was a loss, it'd be mental. I do think they are going to have to execute, and I think well, I think absolutely. you know it's it's going to be a physically difficult matchup because they haven't played a team like Ohio State since Notre Dame based on how all these teams have done. I think Penn State's close. But, yeah, so how much of it will be mental? I don't know. Probably probably a little less than it would have had to have been last year just because the team is better. If that, I hope that, that makes sense to, to the person asking. So, anywho, anywho uh, Indiana, other things that would give you confidence, sometimes the best ability a team can have is availability. We did get questions. We don't, you know, injuries. Michigan keeps those things pretty close. But uh, someone asked uh, on, on the players who didn't play last week. So Solomon, Josh Metellus, uh, you know, obviously Lavert Hills in concussion protocol. Uh, Steve, do you? Let's say they're like day to day. Do you play them this week? I don't know. I do you? I don't know if that's a good um, question. I, cause like, no, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I, I, cause then you, I mean, you're talking, you know, guys who have, would not have taken any legit snaps in three weeks at that point. If, mm-hmm. if you don't play them at all, um, I don't know. Do you run them out there for a couple series? And again, like I mean, get them it's, on the it's field. A, yeah. I mean, and that's a deal where if they it, it, like, I guess you just have to ask the question, okay, would they be playing if we were playing Ohio state today? And if the answer is yes, then I don't think there's any harm in getting them out there for a little bit, right? I mean, but you maybe yank them a little bit early, um, you know. Cause, but if the answer is no, well, then, of course, you, you don't play them. So I, I suspect that that's how they'll handle it, too. Uh, I don't see any reason to completely sit a guy. And, and again, it's I don't anticipate that if, like, say, Metellus doesn't play on Saturday, for instance, that – you know, when sits out two weeks that he's going to come back and like forget how to play mm-hmm. safety against Ohio state, but it may be to his, his and the team's advantage to get him out there a little bit against Indiana, you know, um, especially Indiana likes to feel like they like to throw the ball, um, you know? And, and so I don't know though. That's a tough, tough, it is a tough, it's a tough deal for us to speculate on, but yeah. obviously the coaches have a wealth of information and aren't going to do anything that, 
they're not going to make any kind of decision that would put next weekend's game at, at any kind of risk, obviously. So. Well, and I would also say, I mean, they're not going to rush a player back. You know, this is, I, and that's one thing I, I don't know what it's like at every program, but it seems like Harbaugh does a really nice job of, like I think back to last year with Lavert Hill. And it's like Lavert Hill was head concussion protocol, and if I'm not mistaken, they held him out against Wisconsin. And I believe they held out, did Karan Higdon play? If he did play, he didn't play very long. Uh, you know, and it's one of those things, it's like, yeah, Michigan really could have used that game. But they also want to be a team that players, players, I guess, feel comfortable being hurt and and sitting out and like you know, pr- you know, keeping their health intact rather than, I don't know. I feel like feel like there's college football has a history of coaches rushing guys back a little bit. So so you know, I don't know. We, we're not privy to what the injuries are. I think, I think if they can't, as you said, if they can go against Ohio State, you probably do play them a couple series. But maybe you, maybe you put them in a certain kind of series. Like maybe you don't have, you know. I think Metellus is probably the biggest one because like Solomon, that defensive line rotates so much. I don't know, I don't know exactly, you know, how many snaps he should normally play or would normally play. Uh, but Metellus, that's a obviously safety's a physical position, and Lavert Hill is. They they sure could use Lavert Hill. We'll talk about Indiana in a moment, but um, yeah, I don't know. Feels like feels like Indiana is not going to be. It, they're not Nebraska. They're probably closer to a Maryland. Yeah, I think that's a, probably a good. And so, like, well, they just yeah, they just they just had like a didn't they have a game against Maryland last Saturday and, that went down won. to the wire, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, I guess that <laughs> comparing them to Maryland would probably be somewhat accurate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did like you know they lost to Minnesota. They. I don't know. They've been all over the place because they technically have a win over a very good Virginia team, and it's just kind yeah. of a still not that good though. No, Michigan. If Michigan should win by multiple touchdowns, and anyway, let's talk more about the Hoosiers. Uh, we will do. Let's do our over under. See how much of Indiana we can talk about during this, and then if we have anything other to watch for, and on the other side, we can we can do that as well. Uh, but these are obviously brought to you by Neil or via Zool on our message board. Steve, you are running away with it. You've got a 35-28 lead so far. So so I gotta I gotta really catch up here. Um offense 5.5 passing attempts from backup quarterbacks. So we saw last week. This is this is an interesting one because I really thought we were gonna see more of the backups against Rutgers. I thought that was a prime opportunity, especially if you are gonna play them. Like I, you know, regarding Milton, they that technically is his second game. So uh, still hasn't thrown a pass. I know. You know I had, had an opportunity. I just want to see him. I want to see him throw one once. We were joking about. Uh, we were joking that they should bring him into the game at like the twenty yard line. Just have him take a five step drop and just throw the ball like into the seventieth row of the stands. Oh, like, just, <laughs> just, to, just to show off his arm and get yeah. people excited. Like so. a little spring game showcase. Yeah, yeah. I because I really thought again. You know. My my job is not to coach. It feels like in the event that Shea Patterson gets hurt in against Ohio State or against Northwestern, supposing they make the Big Ten uh, championship, or it seems like you would want a guy, and they do have one guy in Peters. Peters has started, but like he's only thrown what one pass all year, and it was an interception in the red zone. Just like take a shot, you know, it was not a not a serious pass. It seems like you would want those guys to have experience running this year's offense. Uh, 
so I would I would think you would want to have at least six passes from the backups, but Michigan really hasn't done that this year. I don't know if they're just that confident in that that those guys will be ready when their name is called or what. But yeah, I thought you know if if you're up forty two seven against Rutgers and your offense, your backup quarterbacks don't get a series to themselves. To me, that's a sign that you just aren't planning on playing them very much. So, I don't know, five and a half, I'll say under. You know, hard hard to tell because I don't know the nature of the game, but I, I would say under. What do you say? Over. Okay. 89.5 combined rushing yards from Chris Evans and True Wilson. Uh, Indiana's run defense is okay, uh, below average. 85th in rushing yards allowed per game, 87th in rushing yards allowed per attempt. Got to imagine Michigan's going to want to run, and Higdon does have his milestone. They're not necessarily, you know, and I'm sure he, I I would imagine he's got first team all Big Ten locked up behind because they they have two running backs in the all Big Ten team. So, yeah, I I bet Evans and Wilson. Plus, you have to have factor in that Michigan does kind of like to do the uh, home state handouts a little bit you know they gave Henry Pogey two rushing touchdowns against Maryland last year uh you know they gave Wangler the receiving touchdown against Maryland this year because Durkin said he'd never play at Michigan and uh you know I'm trying to think yeah I think they had Chris Evans have a big game against Indiana Uh, no he didn't he didn't but seems like every once in a while they they want to dial up some of those guys so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say over on 89.5 um I, it, plus, just I feel like they're gonna if 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 Michigan does what it wants to do, it's probably gonna run like fifty five times in this game. So, uh, you know, keep it very simple. So yeah, I, I would imagine those two can get over that. Yeah, um, yeah, I gotta go with over on that one too. Actually, one right. and a half catches for Tariq Black. Oh, and not a ton of analysis there. Just do they? Do they try to get him back into things? Seemed like Harbaugh seemed like almost like down on Tariq, not down on him as a player, but just like he seemed to downplay the impact Tariq Black's going to have when he spoke on Monday. Kind of like they're not in a hurry to get him back. They do have, as I mentioned, three receivers who will probably exceed 500 receiving yards. Zach Gentry's third at 392. So, uh I don't know, but I, I I just don't know if Michigan wants. This is one of those ones where it's like if they want Tariq Black to have two catches, they can probably get it. I'll say, I'll say under. I still think. I mean, I don't think they're going to throw that much, uh, and I don't. I have no idea if they're going to dial him up or not. Over. Do you think they will dial him up? Yeah, why not? All right, all right. <laughs> He's a. De- it's a deal. I think it might be a deal with him where you know instead of. Uh, saving him or whatever, or like, you know what I mean? Like maybe not, you know, maybe unleashing him a little bit more against Ohio State. I think it's a deal where you kind of got hit, got to get him more comfortable mm-hmm. and get him maybe, maybe tr- if he is a hundred percent or close to it, uh, you got to try to get him the ball, I think to this, this Saturday, maybe, and not, you know, last thing you want is a guy who hasn't made a catch all year. <laughs> uh, you right. Know, as you're, you know, you'd rather maybe get him a little bit more comfort in the offense and, and maybe try to get a little bit of a rapport between him and him and Patterson. Yeah, I agree. I agree with the logic. I just don't know what Michigan's going to do. Um, 
four and a half catches for Oliver Martin and Grant Perry. Seemed like they, that was like a concerted thing. They seemed especially interested in getting Oliver Martin the ball last week against Rutgers. So I'm going to, I'm going to, and plus Grant Perry is senior day. Uh, You know, he's had a, he's had some ups and downs, but he is someone that I think they, they appreciate, you know, a, a great deal. Obviously, I don't think there's a senior they don't appreciate, but like he's someone I think they would like to have, you know, have a few more catches. Uh, one of the first receiver commits of the Harbaugh era, you know, someone that in-state guy, someone who has been kind of a mentor to these receivers. So I'll I'll say between those two things, I'll say over. I'll say over as well. I think Martin, yeah, obviously kind of a guy looks like he's kind of coming into his own. Realistically, could have had three touchdown catches on Saturday. Dropped the one in, dropped the one in the back of the end zone, uh, was stopped short on the one on a ball on a play that actually looked like he was gonna get in and then he actually then he did catch the touchdown pass. So um I'll go over with that one as well. Zero point five zone read keepers or designed QB runs from Patterson. So Shea did not have a single carry against Rutgers. It was the first time all year. And we've looked at I think did we do the math last week that he has he averages like nine or ten carries a game against Michigan State, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Northwestern, and he's like under four for everyone else. I, I think I think that was a stat that, that came up. And so yeah, they probably probably don't have him run. I mean statistically zero point five uh zone read keeps or designed runs. That's a really, really low over under. I I got I got to go with yeah. the number. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say over just because like if they have one, it technically counts. So I'll say one. Yeah, uh, that's what I was do. But it but it would be low. Like if this was like a two two point five, I would really think about you know maybe maybe they do try to keep him from running because I mean you know zero against Rutgers that tells you everything you need to know that they're gonna they're gonna wait until it matters to to put him in in those potentially vulnerable positions. So. Anywho, switching to the defense and special teams, 84.5 rushing yards for freshman running back at Indiana, Stevie Scott. That's his season average, or I think it's around, I think he's at 89.5, but I'm sorry, that said 64.5, 64.5 for Stevie Scott. Uh, So 25 yards below his average. I don't know. I, Indiana, they 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 want to th- they throw about thirty six times a game. They rush about twenty five times a game. So maybe that switches with the cold weather. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> kind of like half yawned and asked a question. <laughs> Is Ramsey still their quarterback? Right. Yeah, Peyton Ramsey. Yep. Okay. All right. Continue. Uh, yeah, I think. I think Scott goes under because mm, it's one of those things where it's like you know Rutgers. It's like they ran for 193 yards just because they had a couple big plays. I'll say I'll say under because I just I don't think that they're going to want to run very much. They are a pass first offense, and I think against this Michigan defense, and I'll, I can talk about Peyton Ramsey in a moment, but. I mean, they love the screens. They throw 
They have seven different receivers with 20 receptions this season. Wow. It's it's going to be yeah, it's like weirdly balanced. It's like they have seven guys between 20 and 30. Uh so it's and they have five guys with at least 300 receiving yards but no one over 420. So it's it's kind of a an interesting offense, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to guess they shut down the Stevie Scott train pretty early and force Indiana to pass in the cold weather. So I'll say under. Yeah, I'll probably go with under too. I just saw it's like Indiana's 124th in Division One in passing yards per attempt, per completion. I'm sorry. In passing per yards per completion. Per completion. Yep. Yeah. So they slant and they screen. Because because here's the thing, they're they're outside the top 100 in yards per attempt, but Peyton Ramsey's completing 67 percent of his passes, which is pretty right. good. But yeah, it's well, just well, it's the same. Honestly, I mean. So Dwayne Haskins is a great quarterback, but I'd love to see how many yards after the catch Ohio State wide receivers have because it feels mm-hmm. like it feels like I would I'd be shocked if Ohio State was not the national leader in yards after the catch. I mean, he gets a touchdown pass on those little pop, you know, the wearing the shotgun and the guy and you have the receiver in motion and you just kind of pop it to him when he's in motion after the snap. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a pass. And you know, so it's interesting these teams are you see a lot more of that because um, I think Ohio State is second or third in the country in just passing offense, period. But they're somewhere in the – yeah, they're 71st in that same statistic, passing yards per completion. So yards you per know? completion, does that not count yards per uh, – yards after the catch? Is this – because no, I assume I'm that sure completed counts, that. Yeah. It, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. okay. Isn't a – that's a completed pass. Right, right. Well, you were saying, yeah. okay, you were saying it as if yards after catch were separate. By the way, uh, I looked it up. Yes, they have 70, I'm sorry, seven. They have seven receivers, Indiana does, with 23 to 35 receptions. By comparison, Michigan has three such players. Hmm. So very balanced. Not, I mean, again, you know, Nick Westbrook used to be a 1,000-yard receiver. He only has 300 and change this year. Uh, but they, they spread the ball around. They love the screens. They love the slants, you know. They, it's not it's not the chaos offense from a couple years ago that Kevin Wilson had. It's it's much more or of dink a dink and dunk. Yeah, yeah, dink and dunk yeah. is is the phrase. Yeah, so it's it'll be interesting, but I think that that means that they're going to try to just do that. They're going to have the Northwestern playbook, uh, you know, and and hope that their defense is there. And so I think I I don't think that bodes well for Stevie Scott who. You know, Michigan's run defense is worse than its pass defense. I just, I don't know. To me, 64 and a half. I don't know if he gets there. So, anyway, moving on to our to our next one. 65% of defensive snaps for Josh Ross. And I will let Via count this one. Because uh, I don't know any, I don't know the snap count. But, I don't know. I don't even know what he's averaging. Unfortunately, we don't know the snap counts anymore. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, this is a shot in the dark. I'll just say over. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just because I'm up by seven. I'm just gonna agree with you on this one because I don't know what the, I wouldn't know mm. even where to look on that one. Well, now I'm thinking, do they, do they maybe try to get Anthony and McGrone and some of these backups in? Because 65, I've, I assume that's his probably his season average based on the. I'm just trusting Via on that one. So I'll, I might actually switch to under because I, um, yeah, I'll switch to under. 
just to try okay, to. I'll switch. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I'm going <laughs> to switch to under two. Okay. They don't want to be a total douche about this. So. Uh, five gotta, and a half. Got to win. Got to win. Yeah. Because <laughs> the prize that that yeah, is so yeah. so glamorous. Uh, <laughs> uh, five and a half pass breakups plus interceptions from the defense. Got to imagine if they're throwing that much, they'll get that. So. I'll um, say over. Yeah, you. yeah, I'll say over. I don't yep. think that's <laughs> 0.5 missed field goals by Nordeen. Oh boy. Gosh, the, I'm it's gonna, still I'm gonna say I'll say over. Well, yeah, Sorry. does he miss one? I I would think so. I I'm thinking I'm going to guess yeah. Uh, imagine the heart rate of Michigan fans next Saturday. <laughs> if it's if they're if it's a if they're down by two or down by one, you know, and it's a 40, 43 yarder, there's yeah, fifteen to seventeen mile an hour winds. I was gonna know, say like, if there's wind, I just I don't. People are gonna lose yeah. their their uh, poop. yeah, which is so interesting because like, no, I don't think Quinn Nordeen has been that bad this year. Like if you. He, he, He's following a similar. Well, here's the thing: is like I feel like he's doing something that's kind of similar to what he did last year, mm-hmm. which is where he came out of the gates really, really good, struggled in the middle of the season, and then kind of picked it back up again near the end of the year. Because did I didn't he have like a, a slump last year? Right when mm-hmm. what game was it where him and Harbaugh kind of had their little yeah yeah five second argument on the sidelines? It was sometime in the middle of the year where he was missing a couple gimmies, you know. And I, I agree. I don't think it's been as bad as what people have oh fans some fans hate quinn nordine right and it's like well, here's the thing is like the penn state block that was not that was he's probably 10th on the list of responsibilities yeah as far as why that got <laughs> blocked right so like that one's not on him but yeah i think it's overblown um well and you know the one against michigan state was into a 20 mile an hour wind and i think right. the snap might have been bad too I, I guess i can go look Wisconsin, he had a miss that was like 55 yards just at the end of the half, just yeah, also against the win, where it's just like, just try it. You know, if it goes in, it goes in. Uh, yeah, I still, though, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he... Oh, but there is the there is the situation in which does he attempt a field goal? Because they didn't attempt one against Rutgers. So maybe maybe he doesn't attempt enough to miss one possible although again you might you want you talk about wanting to get somebody reps i mean he might be a guy they try to get a couple kicks you know in that in the cold november weather try to get him a couple kicks in this game because they probably will need him next week that's a good point right you know so why not get him a couple kicks in the cold and see where you know yeah uh oh are you gonna be mad if i say under just so i can (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> try to no, go up. ahead. Say under. All I'm right. saying over. I'm just going to guess over. I can yeah. see that. That's a tough one, though. Yeah. Uh, five and a half punts by Indiana. Seems like a easy over, right? I mean, you know, 12, 13 drives a game. Do they get stalled on six of them? I would think so. I agree. <laughs> Michigan might be in trouble if they, if they don't. So, right. yeah, I'll right. say, I, you know, yeah, Indiana special teams. They don't have a great punter, but he's pretty accurate. I mean, his he think he's got a thirteen to three inside the twenty to touchback ratio. Uh, I don't know, net punting of around thirty seven. Will Hart is around forty if you actually look at the net punting. So, 
you know, they might they might try to field position this one out a little bit. I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, at least early on. So yeah, I'll say I'll say over. Uh, any other any other thoughts on Indiana? No. Okay. Yeah, experienced offensive line, uh, dink and dunk offense. They they know what they're gonna do. They're consistent. I think they're pretty. I mean, they haven't been they haven't been completely shut down in any game this season. You know, even even Ohio State, they got some things going. Uh, not to say Michigan's in trouble, just means like they they know exactly what they're gonna do, and it's up to Michigan to to stop it. On defense, I mentioned the ball hawking, but they're they're outside the top eighty in basically every other defensive category. So as long as Michigan doesn't, you know, fumble the ball or you know take you know give up a pick six or something like that, which they haven't done. I mean, when was the last time Shea threw an interception? Was it week three? Yeah, it's been a long time. I think it was. Yeah. And really, what we've said, I think he's got. Well, has he thrown three all year? Right. Yeah. Yep. I think two of them were on the receiver. I would agree. I would agree. Was the uh, McCune didn't come back to the ball? Yep. On the one, and then I think the other one is uh, Gentry just flat out kind of duffed it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So pretty amazing, actually, all yeah. things considered. Well, yeah, and I was I had this stat. In one of my stories earlier this week, I mean, his touchdown interception ratio seventeen to three is fifth among power conference quarterbacks. And yeah. Tua, uh, uh, Kyler, Murray, uh, Sam Ellinger out of Texas, and I, there must have been one other one, but it was like, you know, Alabama and like three Big Twelve quarterbacks who are obviously going to be, you know. At, who obviously have NFL futures if they want them. So it's kind of a, oh, I think Haskin. No, Haskins slightly below Patterson, but obviously he's thrown twice as but many touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> so you know it's not it's it's one way to measure a touchdown or a, a quarterback, but he's done a really nice job. And that interception rate is on track to beat the program record. Right now he has a one point three two interception rate, which means one point three two percent of his passes are interceptions. The program single season record is one point five two, and that was Navarre. So, in in two thousand two or four or something. So, I mean, you're looking at a player who kind of came in. That was the big question about him. You know, is he is he gonna throw too many picks for Harbaugh's liking? So far, pretty resounding no. So, right. uh, yeah. So anyway, you know, if as long as Michigan does that, I think they're gonna be fine. I've got them winning 34 to 10. Uh, you know, I'll have some preview stuff. Do you have a score prediction? Or are you saving it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. They'll win. Okay. <laughs> you heard it here first. So, yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. So, anyway, uh, that's going to do it for this week's podcast. Obviously, next week, going to be a big one Michigan, Ohio State. And if things go as we anticipate, it could be for. Uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of stakes could be on the line. So probably a lot will be on the line, regardless. But anyway, for Steve well, Lorenz, Michigan, could, oh, Michigan could lose. Sorry, Michigan could. I mean, if anything, yeah. I mean, it continued playoff hopes. But even if Michigan loses, the Big Ten championship is still on the line. That's correct. Yeah. So, yeah. So no matter what happens on Saturday, unless Ohio State is upset for whatever reason, which I assume they won't be, but assume you know then. Ben Michigan's already got it. Yeah, Ohio State at Maryland. Uh, 
guess there's a chance, but I mean, Michigan State took care of business there. I think Ohio State would too. Anyway, for Steve Lorenz on the phones, I'm Zach Shaw. Check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com, 247sports.com slash Michigan. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you 